Jason and Michelle are dear friends of ours. Uh, they lead an unbelievable church down in uh, Dungannon, which they planted about 14, 14 years ago. Uh, we have been friends for 12 years, I realized, um, which is amazing. They, they are just doing the most phenomenal job in Dungannon and serving that community into life in the name of Jesus. And um, would you join me in welcoming Jason as he comes? I was going to jump up, but I felt against it. <laughs> There's a stand for you here if you want. Oh, okay. Let me. Um, let's pray for for um, Jason, and then I'll get out of his way. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your son, your servant, and your friend. Mm-hmm. And I, I pray that you would um, speak to us through him tonight. Mm-hmm. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. As Andy says, we've been friends for 12 years. Andy was 14 when we met him in New York. Um, it's like... Do you have like a wee table or something? No? Oh, oh here we go. Brilliant. I, uh, I've had a busy day. You love the confidence people have in Dungannon. I was saying the stew in the way in. Is it stew or stew? Stew in the way in. He said, how you feel? I said, I'm tired. Spoke this morning in church, went home, watched the first half of the Liverpool game. No spoilers if you've taped it. And then went and watched the Ulster Orchestra. And then came home and watched the second half of the Tyrone match. And Stu's question in all of that was, where did you see the Ulster Orchestra? <laughs> I drove to Belfast. There is life outside them one and the Ulster Orchestra were as they were last year in Dungannon, home of culture. So, um, Hey, can I do something just right from the outset? Um, I've noticed something this last year or two years that I am forgetting things really, really quickly. And um, so I felt the Lord speaking and then I thought, what if I wait to the end and then I forget all that? That would be just disastrous, wouldn't it? So what I felt during worship there was, uh, and we do have a talk tonight, we might get to it. Um, I just really felt and sensed the Lord saying that there's some few in the room that just just through the worship, through the singing, through James prompting us by the Spirit leading him, I'm sure, um, in that you just feel stuck. And it's just the sense I got was there's just like a, a glaze that come over your life, over your eyes, and it just seems like there's a fog. And there's been no real reason for it, other than your life has seemed, the pages of your life seem to be turning, and all of a sudden things stopped, and you just feel like you're in a fog, and that you're in a place that, that doesn't make sense into where you're going and where you thought you were going. And, and I, I, I saw, I just had this picture, and I don't usually get pictures, so I do think it's the Lord. I just saw pictures starting to turn in a book, and it was just, you weren't turning the pictures, but the pictures were turning themselves. And I felt that the Spirit of God was going to start to turn the pages off your life. And it happens around what uh, the, who we don't, I don't think we fully know who the author is of Hebrews. The, the author of Hebrews says, if we fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith, then the pages start to turn on our life. I'm paraphrasing, it doesn't actually say that. And I just wanted to pray for some people tonight, just right from the start. And, uh, and I really sense too, I know this is very bold, 
But would you just come forward, if that's you this morning or this evening, if you feel like you're just stuck and there's a glaze over your eyes that you can't see and there's maybe an anxiety with that and uh, a slight fogginess with that. And I just sense the Lord saying tonight, if you stop, pause, fix your eyes on me, the Spirit of Christ will start to turn the pages again for you because it'll be his direction. And he's the author and the finisher of our faith, right? So he's the author. He'll start it and he'll finish it. So there's a certainty in that. He starts it, he finishes it. He'll rewrite your story and he's rewriting your story regardless of the glaze, regardless of the storm and all that. So I'm going to put myself in an awkward position so I'd like you to do the same thing. All right, so if that's you, very quickly, if you don't come up, we'll just jump straight into the conversation. I'm not going to play any music or do anything like that. So if that's you, why don't you just come, quickly come up the front. I'd love to pray with you. Okay. I am feeling... Really awkward. Nobody. We're going to do it at the end when we've got music going and, and we've had a talk. I really just sense that the Lord wants to set some people free tonight. But there's a step in it for you to come. No seals pitch. I'm actually okay with it. Anybody? Wow. Okay. Moving on. I just create an awkward moment in the room. I want to talk about the kingdom tonight, and we're all aware of that, of what the kingdom is. I'm sure you guys have been, I know, listening down this teaching, and uh, through the years, and recently you guys have been doing a lot of stuff on the kingdom of, of heaven, what it means, what it looks like. And, and uh, the beautiful thing about the kingdom of heaven, it's not just something that we... It's not just central to what Jesus said and did, but it's actually we get to do something with it. It's not just information. It's not just that there's some sort of, yeah, learnings around it, but we actually get to do stuff with it. And that's exciting, right? That you actually get to do some things with it. And, and the kingdom of heaven happens everywhere. It happens everywhere that you go. And it usually happens for me anyway. It happens in the ordinary. It happens in the places where I show up, God seems to show up. But I don't think that's really how it works. I think God's always there and we just show up. And so it happens in our life, when our streets, it happens in our communities, happens in our pubs, happens in our clubs, happens in the gym, happens in your workplace, happens in your family, happens in your street corner, happens in the, the way to school. Whatever you're doing, whatever your everyday ordinary life is, the kingdom of heaven usually shows up there. But there is, a, there is another thing where the kingdom of heaven shows up and that's where we step outside of life. And it's called interruption. It steps outside the normal pattern, our normal habits. And not, all, not always, but often I find the kingdom of heaven is a bit of an inconvenience to my life. I don't know about you. And you're thinking, frick, this is, I came for a good night. This guy's trying to get us up the front right from the start. And now he's just throwing this stuff at us. And it goes from bad to worse. So this... This evening, I want to talk about what it looks like to step outside the normal, step outside your, your normal rhythm, uh, and just even invite disruption into your life. Uh, because I don't know about you, but most of the decisions in our world, and I mean living in Western culture, I, I travel to India quite a bit, but most of the, 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 um, the, our experience, the decisions that we make in our culture, is around convenience. It really is. We're, we're blessed. Society living in the West, we're, we're blessed. And so most of our decisions are made with convenience in mind. So I want you to think about your week, the week that you just had. I want you to think about the week that we're coming into. Is there anything that you're planning and you're planning it around convenience? 
Or take last week, just how you drove to work, how you, you set up your week, the things that you talked about, the decisions that you made, your purchasing, your buying, was that made around convenience? Let me help you with it. Um, anybody buy toothpaste? Because I know there's a very young crowd in here tonight. You've bought toothpaste. Do you buy a screw on top? You'd never buy a screw on top, would you? You'd always buy a pop-off top, wouldn't you? Because if it cost you two quid more, you'd always pay for the pop-off top. But who wants to spend another 20 seconds, probably an exaggeration, probably more like five seconds, trying to screw off a top in toothpaste? Anybody? No? Is this building on fire, or is it just smoky out there? Is it? Do you have, like, a smoke machine? Seriously? No. So yeah, toothpaste with a cap. That's what we do. It's called convenience. And we laugh at that, but a lot of our life is, is, is around that. I live in the cosmopolitan area of Dungannon. <laughs> called the Bush. And uh, we've had roadworks. And it's quite inconvenient in Dungannon having roadworks. And uh, so I, I was even, we, we've got this thing called gas coming. And, and, and then there's talk of internet coming next week. <laughs> but to drive to the office was such an inconvenience. And so I wake up in the morning, not really stressed, but just thinking, how am I going to get like a mile or mile and a half? We have got this road called the Killiman Road. Probably anywhere else in the world they would call it 3 a.m., but we call it a car park at 8 o'clock in Dungannon. Does that make sense? Okay, then we'll just keep moving on. Does any of this make sense? Thank you. That's why we're friends. So how do our values line up with Jesus and his kingdom? That's what I'm saying. How do they they line up? If you turn the pages of scriptures, and I have quite a lot, if you turn the pages of scripture to encourage you to do convenient or to stay safe, and you can leave right now if you want to. They're hard to come by. They're really hard to come by. And just even look at the one that we love and the one that we follow. Inconvenience was part of his life. Comfortable, living and safe was never who he was. If we, if we follow the one who we, we sing about and we sang about him tonight, if we really think about it, we've got to orient, reorientate our lives at times to bring the kingdom of heaven to others. And here's my hope tonight. My hope is that you're passionate, that you've got some measure of love and, and heart for people that don't yet know the kingdom, that haven't experienced the kingdom of heaven, who haven't seen that there is an opportunity to receive peace in an anxious world. There, whether there's people in your workplace or your friends or your environments, wherever you go, whatever you do, uh, in every sphere of life, that there is a reality called the kingdom of heaven and that you've experienced that, but you have this deep, deep, deep sense and, and passion for others to experience that too, right? Cool. Dungannon's very charismatic. Our guys used to shout back at me and go wild, and they, they even bring out wee hankies and wave them and stuff like that there. We have an organ player who usually plays when I'm talking, but I, didn't, uh, I should have probably set that up with you before I came, but never got the chance to do that. Here's the other thing that I've discovered about Northern Ireland, and, and I'm probably the worst at it, because we use this phrase, at least I've used this phrase all the time, especially after a, a gathering where Jesus is just in the room, and you want to give people an opportunity to experience the kingdom. Um, we talk about inviting Jesus into your life. Have you done that? 
and, and just hear me right, for, hear me straight, it's a good thing. <laughs> I'm all for that, and I do that. But sometimes it's badly interpreted. It's sometimes it's interpreted that we invite Jesus into our heart, that we invite Jesus into our life. Does that make sense? You know, like, Jesus, you come into my life. Here's what I'm doing. Here's where I'm going. Come into my heart. Small. Come into my life. It's small. Come and walk with me, Jesus, and you'll see how I do it. I'm exaggerating slightly, but am I? I don't know. Sometimes we've sold Jesus a bit like we've asked him in their heart and in their life. And actually the story of the gospel is that when we uh, get Jesus to, to come aboard and, and to actually come into our hearts, we actually fall forward into his life. That we become part of his life. That he doesn't follow our life anymore, but we follow his life. And that's what it means to have an inconvenient life. That all of a sudden that you've just... All of a sudden, you've fallen forward into the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, you're now encountering his life. You're now following his ways, and you're being with him, and you're being like him, and then you start to do the things that he does. That's what it means to be a truly devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And here's the lesson tonight. And this is, if you probably, you know, forget about all the corny jokes and all that there sort of stuff. There's a lot of pressure on you when somebody says you're funny, isn't it? There was a girl from Sweden. There was a girl from Sweden this morning. It's her first time in a church, and I just wanted to gauge her where she'd been in a spiritual journey after my talk, or as we say, conversation. And it's funny we talk about the word conversation, but I'm the only one that ever talks, right? Or the preacher's the only guy that ever talks when they call the conversation. It's not really a conversation because we're the only ones talking. And so I sat there. So first time in church from Sweden. How was it? And she says, "You were very funny." And I said, yeah, but how was it? And she says, you were very funny, and she walked away. <laughs> Here's the lesson. It's never okay, or it's never safe to think, God would never ask that of me. And that is what we got to discover in our lives. That's interruption. That's the reorientating our lives around the Jesus way. Or to say, certainly, and I've done it. Like we, we, We're nuts, aren't we? Sometimes Christians are crazy. We, we, we say stuff like, and we're certain, certainly God wouldn't ask that off you. Like, how are you kidding? Of course he would. He's God. He can ask whatever he wants off you. And, but here's the baseline. He's a good, good follower, right? He's totally true. And here's what I've discovered in my life. Most of the stuff that I've thought were certain days, and I've tried to do it my way when I've asked Jesus to come into my life, it usually screws life up, and it usually... Um, disintegrates the good parts of my life, but when I follow Jesus in his life, I end up way, it's a way better trade-off. He never takes the the good stuff from my life. He actually just takes the rubbish and all the crap and actually ends up, I end up with the good stuff. So it's a good, good thing. Does that make sense? Okay. So you want to jump into some scripture? Cool. Actually, I forgot the text. I hope it's up there on the screen. Yes, 1 Kings 17. (laughs) It always was, First Kings 17. So it said, Now Elijah and Tishbe, from Tishba and Gilad said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few days, except at my word. Verse 2 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Verse 3, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the, in the Keith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, 
And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Right? That's a clear instruction. That's easy peasy Japanese, right? It's very itties. It was very itties when they came in the door the night too, by the way. So it's, it's very, very clear instruction. God says, you go here. God speaks, you go and you do it. Right? Right? Clear instruction. So verse 5. Here's something you don't want to glide over ever in Scripture. This is something that will actually change your life. I kid you not. That's not an over, overstatement or an overpromise. And here's what you never want to glaze over in life. So he did what the Lord had told him. That, that, that there is deep, right? You may think it's not deep. It's like, maybe deep in Dungannon, but it's not deep in Lisbon. But believe you me, it's deep. It'll take you places. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. Anybody want to grow in the relationship with Jesus? You really need to call a family meeting next Sunday night. In fact, I would skip the membership meeting and just do family from 1 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Does anybody in this room want to, want to follow Jesus and grow in the relationship with Jesus, become a mature, devoted follower of Jesus? Yes. Hallelujah. Then, this is good advice. When the divine is walking with us together, this is simple, but yet it's dynamic at the same time. Do what the Lord speaks. Do what the Lord speaks, even if it feels like it's an inconvenience. Even if it feels like a, an inconvenience. I, I don't know, we, we, we all like have our own wee methods in the church world where it gets kind of funky how we measure discipleship. But one of the, I think one of the purest and truest forms of how you, you measure your maturity in Jesus Christ is how long it takes you from the moment Jesus speaks from the time it takes you to obey. So the shorter that gets, the more mature you get, Right? So that's such a great way to measure your, your maturity in Jesus and, and where you are in the spiritual journey with him. Just measure that all the time. How long does it, I mean, sometimes it takes me forever because I'm just slow sometimes at it. But if you want to get really, really close with Jesus, if you want to become a mature follower of Jesus Christ, and you want to do it, you want to, if, if there was a fast track that you could get on, then I would say this is a fast track. See when he speaks, say yes and do it quickly. And the quicker you do it, the more mature you get as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not how much you know. It's not how long you follow Jesus or anything like that. It's how well and, you're, and how quickly you're going to say yes to him. And sometimes that feels like a, an inconvenience. So that's how we measure our faith at times. And Jesus once said, here's how people will know, right? So we can measure. If Jesus says, here's how you will know, then there's a measurement aspect of Christian faith. We know by how long it takes a person to respond when God speaks. We do. We can find that out because of their life. Basically, how quick do we obey? How do we respond? How do we surrender? What's our yes? What's, what's our yes to his future, his preferred future for our lives? How long does it take to do that? Okay, verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. So he did it. And he did it. Do you get it? Because he said he was going to do it anyway. So he did it. He responded. He did the right thing. He went to the place and God did it. God shows up. Isn't it crazy? It's like, if it was just that simple all the time we're thinking, eh? Do you remember Absolutely Fabulous? Okay, this analogy is going to go really south. So there's these, let me try and help you with it. So there's these two posh people and they're sort of Paul and Caroline's age. They're, uh, 
a wee bit older. Uh, and so they're, they're like really posh, two girls. And, and they've got a young daughter, and she's like a wee bit nerdy. Do I have to explain the whole thing? Does anybody know? I'm, I'm there now. I'm committed. I'm in. And so they were doing all these diet and pills and all these sort of weird, weird and wacky sort of... Yeah, thanks. And so the daughter came in and says, you know, Mom, if you just eat and exercise, you'll lose weight. And she looks at her and says, don't be stupid, darling. If it was that easy, everybody would be doing it, right? <laughs> that was the punchline. <laughs> Here's something I want you to do. And I'll do this. Obedience and provision always go hand in hand together. Let me tell you a really weird story. I've got lots of weird stories, but this one's probably at the better end of weird, so that you stick with me for another five or ten minutes at least. So uh, I I, uh, left a great job in Belfast. I I actually was in Belfast one time. (laughs) There's traffic lights and all sorts of things. I thought it was Christmas come early. But... So I left a fantastic job there, and I went and got this other job. In fact, let me just tell the truth. Michelle says, I think this is the Lord. It wasn't the Lord. It was a disaster. And so... No, 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 no. You phoned me up and said, you, you saw this other job. So, so I went for this other job, okay? There's a big difference between listening to God and listening to your wife. I'm not saying... Hear me, hear me, hear me. Okay, judge me. Are you going to judge? Because you, you really can't get out of that one. You just say God, you know, God said. So, that was bad, actually. Just forget about that, actually. Listen to your wife. And so I hated the job. And um, I'm not really into cars or anything. God, I'm into scooters and Vespas and that sort of thing. Love those sort of things. But cars, I'm not really interested. And so I clean my car like once a year, twice a year if it needs it. And uh, so it was, I, I, I felt the Lord saying to me one day, wash your car. I thought, God doesn't say those sorts of things. Certainly he wouldn't ask me to do that. And, uh, and I thought, I don't even have stuff for washing the car. Like, So I got a bucket, a basin, and some hot water. And the only thing I had was a wee sponge. You know them wee sponges you get with the hard side and the soft side? <laughs> I'm not that stupid. I know the soft side goes with the car paint stuff. And so I have been spending a lot of time asking God to get me a new job, get me a new job, get me a new job. And I felt the Lord saying, wash your car. So when I got the fairy liquid, as you do, the wee sponge thing with the hard side and the good side, and the wee hard thing's good for the wheels, discovered that there. And so you was washing away at the car, and I went in to change the water, and the phone rang, and the phone rang, and it was this guy, the blue, he says, hey, uh, I, have a sh- I manage a shop across the road, I know, I know a few, would you like to come and manage my shop? I said, yes. Eh. And you, you're probably thinking, this is just nuts. But that story started with God saying, wash the car. Because if I, I had been, I could have been anywhere that day. I was taking a notion to go out, do stuff, and do stuff. I can't remember what stuff, but do stuff. And God said, wash the car, and I went in. And during that conversation, so all that to say this here, 
The brook was just a specific place to go. But it became a place of provision. Right? And sometimes that's how he works. He just speaks and it's specific and it just doesn't make sense. And he says and he does. And it's usually in my life and my experience of following Jesus, most of the time when I agree. Now, in fact, let me just, let me just scrap it. All the time when I obey his voice, he shows up and brings provision. And so it's specific place to go became a place of provision. Car and job for me. We doing okay? I've just discovered something. The words are on the screen at the back. That's a magic idea. We should do that. Don't get everybody think I know the scriptures off by heart, wouldn't they? If I just went and get That is absolutely genius. Take a photo of that, Michelle. But how do you get the words from there and how do you get them on there at the same time? That's the trick. Verse 7 and 8. Sometime later the book dried up because there was no rain in it. There's no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Let me just say, let me just say this. This just gets, because I know we can sound really spiritual, and the car story sounded really spiritual, but sometimes life's just natural. There's nothing weird about this. It's just natural. When you know what? When it doesn't rain. Who is that? When it doesn't rain, it dries up. It's a natural fact. Sometimes Christians are just weird. They, they, they think there's going to be abundance, but it's not abundance. When it doesn't re- rain for a long time, the brook dries up. And guys, sometimes that's a season of our lives. Sometimes it's a season of our lives. Just things, just, it's not God punishing us. It's not that there's, you know, you've missed something and you're walking in this kingdom tight line, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're just trying to keep really tight and obey all the things of God and, and then things dry up and you think, oh, you know, yes, that's fear living. That's not how the Father works. No good Father works like that. That's good, actually. It wasn't a joke. That was proper. Good. There comes a time in our lives when the place of provision dries up. Why? Because I'll tell you why. God's word life is not static. It's not convenient. It moves. The kingdom of heaven is, is always moving. The kingdom of heaven is advancing. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is, is advancing and his government knows no end. But this thing is, is on the move. God is creating. He's making all things new, right? So he's, he's creating and he's, he's bringing stuff into renewal and he's bringing things right. It's not that that's just doom and gloom and everything's getting dark and bad. That's not the story of the gospel. It's not the story of the kingdom. If you believe that, somebody's been telling you the wrong story. If somebody's been telling you it here, come to Vineyard Church Dungana and ask for a refund. <laughs> it's not static. What is the kingdom of God? It's this dynamic rule and reign. It's dynamic. It's powerful. It's this rule and reign. And we sometimes get to thinking, if God met me there and I had provision there, he'll always provide for me there. No. That's methodology. That's becoming... That's just plain stupid sometimes. That's just... That's not helpful. That's just, it's just not clever at times just to, to think that God's going to do it in the same way, in the same place. Because he's not static, right? He's taking you on a journey. He wants to do life with you. He, he, wants, to, he wants you to grow. He wants you to, to risk. He wants you to, to trust him. And so he's never going to just keep doing the same old thing. So that's a big lesson for us. 
See, sometimes that season now is that season. And then there's another season in life. God meets us again and provides us for provides for us again in that season. And if you stay there too long, the brook dries up. The brook dries up. And the Christian life it then it just becomes formulaic for you and static and then it becomes a set of rituals and then it becomes principles and then it's no longer life to the full. It's boring and it's dry and I don't know, if you're like me and I'm staying in the same place and I'm not moving with God and I'm static, it's hard to believe I can become critical. I can become disillusioned. I can become kind of toxic. Because a Christian life is not, it's not static. How does he describe the Holy Spirit? He describes him as a wind, right? He blows here and there. And we just got to keep our eyes open all the time to what he's doing and move of wherever he is. Move with his plan. Move with the wind as he blows. And guess what? He blows and he, wherever he chooses. He blows wherever he chooses. That's why they call keeping in step with the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit. It's not a set of rituals. It's not about, you know, it's not about getting up every morning. It's more than getting up every morning and having your quiet time. That's not what keeping in step with the Spirit is. Keeping in step with the Spirit is risk. It's moving forward with Jesus. It's it's being willing to look silly at times. It's being willing to be inconvenient. It's it's choosing the screw off top at times. It's choosing to wash your car with the sponge and the fairy liquid. It's it's being inconvenient at times. It's it's choosing to see what God is doing, what the Spirit of God is doing. Of course, reading the scriptures and praying and being with Him is really, really important, but it's also important to walk and move with them and not stay static. And when we do that, when we keep in step with the Spirit, it's seasons, right? And it's pathways of thrill and adventure. Always. Always. If faith is dead for you, if it's born, allow the Holy Spirit to come and bring renewal to your life. To blow again. Sometimes it is sit here. Sometimes it's just sit and, and be quiet. Sometimes it's shout for joy. Right? Sometimes it's fast. Not as in speed, but as in not eating. <laughs> you know that fast? Fasting. Sometimes it's feast and celebration. It's not about the doing, it's about listening and obedience. And here's what happens when you camp at a dry brook. You start to complain. I know I'm preaching to the choir. So like, if this is not being taped, right? But I'm talking about our church in Dungannon. Sometimes they complain. Some of them. They send you emails and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't have internet, so I don't have a clue what's wrong. Sometimes they say it's the church's fault. It's his fault or it's their fault. It's not what it was. Not what it was. I I made the meetings we used to have in Lisburn Square. They were good. Do you remember Hazlitt Court? Lane. <laughs> I forgot it already. It's because I was never invited to speak there, but anyway, hey. 
God was moving in those days, wasn't he? And then we moved here. And then it's, I'm not being fed. Which leads to, I'm not serving anymore. So it's a pattern in this, isn't it? Did I sound grumpy? Yeah. This is always the way it worked. It's just a better way. It just always used to work this way. There's a, I don't know if there is a better way. And then we just start to complain. Don't go there. Verse 9. Here's what the Lord wants to say to some of us this evening. Please do not take this literally. Or it's going to be really awkward. Go at once <laughs> to Seraphath, the region of Sidon, and stay there. If the Lord's speaking that over your life, then go for it. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So what I'm saying is, like, this is Lebanon. I'm not saying specifically that anybody here tonight needs to go to Lebanon. But what I really sense is maybe the Lord's saying, I've got new orders, new new, new conversation with you, new new provision. Can, Can he do that? Of course he can. Of course he can. There's a new season, a new place, new direction, new promises, new provision, because those things all go together. Always. Let me hurry up here. So he went to Seraphath, which is Lebanon. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was gathering sticks, and he called to her and he asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and said, uh, Bring me a bit of bread too when you're at it. There's actually nothing strange about this. In Middle Eastern culture, this hospitality is expected, and hospitality actually is expected today in the Church of Jesus Christ. And that's a whole different conversation. And we're just, we've just got bad at that. It's like if you ever go to somebody's house and you really, you just, you just sort of say, if you're out in the kitchen, if you're putting on the kettle, I'll have a wee cup of tea. That's the sort of conversation that's happening here in that culture. Okay, so that's. And, and so then, if, if you're me, like I would say, what I try and do at my church, I put things in that I want. You know, like faith preachers do, like they're believing for things. So I put wee words in, so then people bring it the next week. <laughs> if you watch the Gold Channel, you pick up things really, really handy. <laughs> so I just watch it all. I just watch it all the time, a wee notebook, and I go, that's a great idea. I should do that. So we're, we're, we're like, Dungannon is now getting me a private jet. <laughs> And we're believing for an airport. <laughs> so what I would say in that case is, would you bring me a wee bit of Jamaican cake too with butter? Does that translate? Brilliant. Now we're at the really, really God part. You'll be glad to know. She says this here. This, this, this part of scripture disturbed me for years. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar, and a little olive oil in a jug, and I'm gathering a few sticks to take home, listen to this, and make a meal for myself and my son, that I might eat it and die. How sad is that? And so now it's just got really awkward for me. So I read scripture. This is one of the parts of scripture I just like, just doesn't really fit my lifestyle. Just, just don't know if I like it. It's not that comfortable for me. So let's just move on to the next page. 
But it all works out well. We're going to find that out. So this is no longer, hey, if you get in the kitchen, make me a cup of tea and a wee bit of Jamaica cake. This is really awkward. This is a poor widow, hungry and thirsty. And along comes the man of God. The prophet of God. Right? He says, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you said. Like this, is, this sounds very arrogant to me. He says this, But first, make me a small loaf of bread for me from which you have, and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son while you're at it. Okay, go ahead. But first, get me bread and a drink. When you read this, if you're seeing at all, if you've got any conscience or any level of compassion, you've got to be asking the question, really, God? Really? Are you for real? I mean, I don't know about you, but as I read Scripture, it tells me to look after the orphan and the widow, because this is what true religion really is. And yet here is the man of God, in a time of famine, in a time of need and drought, when this woman has got nothing left, not even hope. She's, just, she's out of hope. She's all out of hope. And she's thinking and dying. That's her future. And here's the other awkward part. You see, I've been taught to read scripture this way. Every time I read scripture, I want to say me too, God. Because it's active and living. God inspired, God breathed. So it's, it's not just we want to read scripture for the sake of it. We want to see the sound of scripture lived out in the streets and the communities and your own personal life and everybody else's life. So every time you read scripture, you've got to say me too. But in this part of a scripture, there's a huge tension for me. At least there was. Would you agree? It's really got heavy in here, hasn't it? See, you're not just reading information as a history lesson, so I want to put myself in the story here. I want, to, I, want to put, I want you to put yourself in the story. And when I put myself in the story, it feels awkward, and to be honest, it feels really unchristian. What about you? It's okay to be honest and truthful. Does it make you feel awkward? Four of you. Here's the thing. I'm not glossing over. I'm not trying to do somersaults with scripture so to try and make it fit and try to make me feel good and you to feel good or anything like that. I'm just, this is what I feel the Lord's doing in this text and this is what I believe is my experience in life to date. When God makes unusual requests, when he stretches our faith, he knows why and he knows where you're going. When I was replaying that, I heard a, so I'll just say it again. When God makes unusual requests, when he stretches our faith, he knows why, and he knows where you're going. It wasn't really worth repeating. (laughs) 
So that's what I said at the start. That when we invite God into our life, we're, we're actually thinking we should make him part of our life. And all the time, God wants to make you part of his life, which is way bigger. And the story that God has for you is way bigger than the story and the narrative that you have for yourself. Because he's the author of your salvation. He, he's, a, he's a page turner of your life. <clears throat> when he gets to be the author, everything starts to happen. The pages do start to turn. Genesis 126. Stay with me. Godhead had a conversation about creation of humankind, and and it was a royal reflection. They just wanted to reflect who they were. And so they had this conversation together, and they said, God said, or Elohim said, because it was plural, He said, Let us make man in our image according, according to our own likeness. When we surrender our yes, he fills us with the spirit. It comes into our lives, but but then something happens. We're actually inscribed in this story, in this likeness, into what he wants to reflect, what he wants to mirror in the earth. Do you get that? Please get that, because it change. Everything changes when you when you when you view the scriptures through that. When that becomes your lens through obedience and life and just doing life with Jesus, when we start to actually believe that God wants to reflect himself, his character that is totally good and totally wholesome and totally better for society. It's better for your school. It's better for your politics. It's better for your for your industry. It's better for everything that we're connected with. It's better for every sphere of society. When we actually get the grips that we want to reflect Jesus, when we want to reflect the Godhead, it's always a good thing, never a bad thing for society. And that's why the prophet could say that. That's why God had put those words in his heart because the story turns out different. We're coming in the land. Verse 14. Elijah says, let's just back up. Don't be afraid. Bring it to me first. Is it really God? Would he say that? Surely not. And verse 14. But this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends the rain on the land. It's a bit like Matthew 9, 33. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. And all these things will be added to you. It's just a reflection of that. If we seek first the kingdom of heaven, we put his work first, then God, God, God does all these other things so well when we put the kingdom first. Verse 15. We're nearly done. Are we okay? Yeah. Still awake? Wow. Verse 15. She went away and she did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. The jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. I love that. Why did he ask this? Because he was going to do this. Why does he ask this? Because he's going to do this. Why does he ask us in your life? Because he's going to do this. What is this? I don't know what it is for you. Why would God ask such a thing? Because he's going to do this. Let's be the people that are willing to be inconvenienced. Right? Because we get to put the love of the Father on display. And we see 
we see that we see our experience, love of God, the power of God on display. And if you don't do that, if you're never inconvenienced, I'm not going to say this is the only way. Not, not, not all the time does God inconvenience us, but you've got to be willing to be inconvenienced. You want to experience life, love, and power of the kingdom? That's not just too convenient. That's not, that's just not settle for, for what's easy, for what's normal. In my kingdom moments, we live in such a convenient, orientated society. And if we start living our lives as the followers of Jesus around that, we're going to miss the most powerful, dynamic moments that God has for us in our communities, in our towns, in our families. That's a given. That's a given. See, it's not always dramatic, but it's, but it's often the small ordinary that we experience the dynamic of the kingdom of heaven. Like, to this day, I don't know why God said to wash a white Peugeot with fairy liquid and a sponge. But usually in the ordinary, he brings some extraordinary moments of power. and Like even opening your house and opening your home. Can you imagine that? Like that's inconvenient, isn't it? Like you're just getting a new house. Get plenty of spare keys. Allow people in. Be inconvenienced. It's not a fortress from the world. Maybe we should have this conversation, just me and you. <laughs> it's awkward, everybody else listening in. Have people over for dinner. We've stopped that, haven't we? Not me and Michelle, I mean all of us. I'm including the new, bringing you in the conversation. I'm done for time, aren't I? Can I tell another story? Because I think the Lord's on this. I think it's, some of you just need to start opening your home again. Buy an extra chair, get a bigger table. I was telling our guys this morning, there's this moment that, that happens every now and then in our house and it's, it just puts sheer panic through Michelle and I. I mean, talk about anxiety levels, through the roof. It usually happens around, sort of, if it happens in the summertime, the anxiety levels are not as bad, but usually in the darker nights, September, October, let me explain just, just very briefly what that is. Put this away, because I am easily distracted. I would just go into a whole new talk because there's loads of talks and these, these things are great. <laughs> and so what usually happens or what, what can happen in those dark nights is that you um, close the windows. and Well, you don't close the windows. You actually close the curtains. And you light the Joe Malone candle. We don't actually have one, but I'm believing for one of those too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. No, I'm not really. And and uh, and so you put on Dennis Jazz. <laughs> and you relax. You read a book. Or you watch EastEnders. Whatever your thing is, we read a book. But I'm sure you Lisburn people watch EastEnders and Coronation Street. And, and then every now and then, puts a fear of God on you. There's a knock at the door. It's like 8 o'clock at night. 
Michelle looks at me and I look at her and I, she says to me, who is it? Because <laughs> she's so, so, like my, she would just back me to hell. She knows I'm a prophet, right? <laughs> so she thinks I hear from God and everything like, who's at the door? And I say, I don't know. And then there's this f- fear, and the fear turns into a wee bit of anxiety. And anxiety, it gets a little heated, doesn't it? You're in an anxious moment. I thought I was done, really done. I thought you were coming up. And so, <laughs> and so you just put me off what I was saying. What was I saying? You get very anxious and fearful. And then it goes, I guess, you answered. No, you answered. No, you answered. Does, does anybody else have this? Is this a Lisburn thing or is this just a country thing? You're probably worse up here near the city. And so, don't kid yourselves. And so, <laughs> and so, it's like this. Because, like, imagine somebody coming to your house. This is a culture that we've created in Western civilization that somebody come into your house is an inconvenience and the only thing that could be possibly uh, connected with it is that there's some guy who's got out of McGabry Prison has made his whole way to Dungannon and County Tyrone, found the bush road, come to number two because he knows that Michelle and I are out teaching the gospel and preaching the word of God for seven days a week. (laughs) And it's silly, isn't it? It's silly. And God's just asking us to be inconvenienced. Open our homes and open our tables and invite people around again and and speak and, and, and whatever he asks us to do, that we do it because he knows. He knows, he speaks, he knows, and he, he knows where we're going. Shall we stand? Guys, in all seriousness, I hope that is helpful. And let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, would you come? Come in your presence. Come in your power. You're so good. You're so kind. And would you just come in and just, we, you're the best host. You're the best guest in this place. Just come right now, Holy Spirit. Have your way. You're our friend. We love you dearly. And we need you in this room. More than anything, we need you in this room. We want you in this room. So come in your presence. Come in your power. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.